Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello, and welcome everybody to the Tech Cat Show. This week we have another special show. Last week I had the privilege of attending VidCon 2016, which is the largest gathering of YouTube influencers, tech companies, and media channels all working in the online video space. Now, online video has become a massive cultural force, launching careers and communities and creations of all kinds. And VidCon, which is a two-day conference that takes over Anaheim, California, exists as the largest gathering of people who are participating in this new culture. It was actually founded seven years ago by Hank and John Green, who are also known as the Vlog Brothers, which is one of the first YouTube shows that they created and developed a massive fan base. And John, you may have also heard of because he's a New York Times bestselling author. So we're going to jump right into a whole series of interviews where I hit the floor and I met with some very big YouTube creators, content companies, great brands that you've heard of, all working on, playing in, and really changing the way that we view content. So check it out, The Tech Cat, live from VidCon 2016. And we are here talking to the fabulous Colin Petrie Norris, who's the chief executive officer of Zumo, which is a really cool over-the-top solution, really set up fabulously for an environment like VidCon, where you have all these great content creators, you have these media companies, and you have brands who are all trying to figure out, how do I get my content out to everybody the cheapest way, the easiest way, the most technically savvy way? So Zumo is a great solution. And Colin, tell us about Zumo. Hey, Laurie. Well, thanks very much. Lovely to be here. Um, it's absolutely, uh, this VidCon is a crazy place to be. Uh, and we're very excited to be here, like I mentioned, because uh, you know, Zumo is a company that helps brands or content producers of content get access to or distribution into millions of smart TVs across the U.S. with no or little cost. Um, and for consumers, it's a way for to get hundreds and up to close to 100 free channels of content from brands that they've got to love digital on, in the digital arena, brands like BuzzFeed, magazine brands, uh, GQ, Vogue. We've actually just annoyed a fail army sort of and emerging since some of the brands you see down here at, at, at VidCon. And we provide them a, a way to get to mil- literally millions of fans in their smart TVs across the U.S. And how exactly does it work? So do I, what am I buying and how do I connect it and how does it all work? Well, uh, we know that for some people that are rooting around the back of a television with HDMI cables and set-top boxes and everything else is a bit of a chore. So what we did is work and partnered with a smart TV manufacturer, starting with Panasonic, moving then to LG, Vizio, Sam, Sanyo, uh, Philips, Magnavox. Um, and we wire our service right into the smart TV, not in the app store, where, again, it's hard to find, but what we call natively into the television. We're, we're on Vizio TVs, for example. We're a remote, a remote control button. Uh, right next to the Netflix button, there's a Zumo button. One press, boom, you're into these hundreds of... So, so you're, you're actually built into the software of the connected TV. Right, and it's all about just making it one easy setup. You bring the new television home, you plug it into your Ethernet or connect to Wi-Fi and you're up and running. It couldn't be simpler. That's fantastic. And you're at VidCon because you're reaching out to a variety of, of different folks who would potentially be clients of yours. Can you tell us about those different audiences? Well, first of all, we are very happy to announce our new mobile app today, actually. And all of the content, and a little different to perhaps something like the Roku, the Apple TV, is all of our content is portable. You can download our app. It's all free. You're up and running. You get our channels in, in the Azumo app. Um, so we're here to men- talk to these uh, the folks here attending uh, VidCon about the availability of the app. Number two, the creators. Creators creating, you know, the, the creators of today are the Viacoms and the, uh, the big traditional media companies of tomorrow. 
Um, and what we solve a very difficult problem for them is to get into televisions uh, without the need to build an app. Uh, very easy to do and to reach their audience in a new and different way. And through it all, there are corporate clients here that are looking for OTT. They need to evolve their strategy. They need to be current. They need to be relevant. Uh, and we provide a great way for them to do that. Now, are you um, offering up a dashboard, or how do how do people actually get their content onto the platform? Uh, it is uh, we've designed it so a con- company can, if I get technical for a minute, they can surface a video feed, an MRSS feed. We integrate with their metadata. We provide them metrics with full visibility into what's going on on our platform so we don't hide any of the numbers or we tell them exactly who's watching uh, and you can get up and running just in a few minutes. But it actually takes about a day to set up a new partner. So if, uh, if I'm a creator and I have a YouTube channel and I want that content on your platform, am I just giving you the YouTube stream? You're actually you. You have to provide us not the link to the YouTube channel. That's this uh, that that that'll have to. That's for YouTube, but you give us a feed to the video feeds which you produce yourself. And there's a number of different ways we do that. We're actually able to accommodate a number of different strategies, uh, but it uh, you know, sit with us, you work it out, and it uh, couldn't be easier. So for for folks that aren't broadcast savvy, this is not a difficult thing to jump aboard. No, absolutely. We've made it very easy. Um, some of our partners, uh, and if uh, you, you were lucky enough to see the uh, the LG example downstairs, um, we're able to create a or allow a company, say like Fail Army or BuzzFeed, to have a TV channel that is presented in the EPG, the program guide. Is accessible just like you would access your NBC, your CBS, or your bigger channels. Um, and that's done, again, with no app, no integration required, uh, easy setup with a, with a video feed. That's so cool. So what's the business model for you? Are people paying you a licensing fee, and is there any advertising in it? What's, what's the model? The, the service is free to the users, and it's powered by ads. Um, and we, are, we have our, our partner companies where we, we actually come from the online ad industry. That's how our business started. And we realized realize that uh, there's not enough great content out there. It's hard to find it. So we started our, our journey into the content industry. Um, we understand advertising very well. We know we can do ads. We can target ads very effectively. And actually for the consumer, have uh, ad, you know, much less ads per hour than you do in cable television. Um, so they're done very elegantly. Um, and there's a, you know, for the content partners, there's a share available to them out of anything that's generated. So you've built in a revenue share model. That's correct. Yes, we have. And that, that seems to be something that now must happen um, as any platform now that sort of extorts too much of a fee doesn't seem to be getting the new creators who all expect to share in the love. Yeah, you know, the, the market is extremely also, I think one other point is, you know, there's a, there's a huge amount of saturation in the subscription area. Brands, are, you know, new brands popping up left, right, and center with subscribe to this or you know, sign up for that and pay this amount. There's not much happening in the free ad supported. And some of the best content out there, I mean, sometimes they do say the best things in life sometimes do come for free. Um, and so we found a real open area to go in and work with, you know, I think we're up to about 70-something channel, 74, 75 channels now of some of the best-known brands in the U.S. Uh, ad supported and available for, you know, for our users. So, that is so interesting. And actually, and not, and not many companies like us doing it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really heard of anyone specifically with all the pieces that your your model has. It seems really built for the contemporary, you know, uh, the contemporary world with in, in terms of users and creators. Yes, and also, um, you know, I think the consumer is tired of uh, bundles and hundred dollar a month subscription to cable that I maybe don't watch as much as I used to. There's brands that, are, that I'm, I've gotten used to on my desktop on my mobile phone. I'd rather sit down to watch those brands in the evening when I've got a bit of time. And am I, what am I paying for really? So for us to come and say, well, here's these channels for free, uh, it's a really very strong value proposition. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the types of content that are on it? Is it across every vertical of content? Yep, we have content. Uh, we have a, a, a very uh, sort of exciting lineup, particularly of news content. So Reuters, Wall Street Journal, um, Newsy, uh, brands of that type. We have broad niche interests from all the mag- magazine brands. We have the Condé Nast Group. We have Time Group, so Vogue, Glamour Magazine, 
uh, GQ, uh, each of these have channels. Um, we have younger audience BuzzFeeds and Fail Army. Uh, we have sports like Sports Illustrated, uh, some big uh, network, a great sport actually for emerging adventure sports like surfing and drifting and all these kind of things. So we really serve across and kids content. We're like right across the spectrum. Um, and it goes well from short form all the way through long form and even live events as well. Again, so so interesting. And where is the uh, where is your vision for where the company will go? Like, where do you see you guys in the next year? Um, we are uh, going to be in more places. So I mentioned all the smart TVs that we've started off with. We're in a, nearly half the smart TVs that will ship in the U.S. from around this month will be available with carrying the Zumo service. Uh, where we just launched a mobile app, we'll actually launch apps in other platforms like Roku. Uh, uh, and some of the other app stores because there's people there that once they buy their expensive new beautiful new LG but have an older TV in the spare room they won't be able to keep watching that Zuma content so um, so more distribution and we are seeing incredible interest from content brands uh, you know big traditional media companies to the creators sort of going seeing us as a way without an you know no app to build that, that's kind of cool you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars having an engineer build you an app and you can be up and running and in 20 million homes across the U.S. So, so that's, uh, that's the plan. It's a really easy way for, for a big brand to jump in to, the, to this space. Yeah, uh, big and small. I think when we use the term, we like to, we think, like use the term, uh, we think about democratizing the process of being on TV. God, that is just, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, and where are you from? I'm originally from Cape Town, South Africa. I, I was going to say New Jersey, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, some people say Kansas. So no, no, I'm, uh, from, I'm from Cape Town. I've been, uh, I, uh, I've been all over the world. I've been based in Europe for the last 10 years. Moved out here to the Zumo business three years ago. Um, and, ju- and just, you know, bringing... So I have a long, also a big background in the online ad business. Um, for me, this is so exciting. The content industry is changing so quickly right now. These, the, the TV industry is shifting on it. It's, it's tilting on its axis. Uh, so this is a super place to be. So, and, and last question, just so we all understand uh, where Zumo is um, in its business structure. Are you still considered a startup? Are you fully funded? Are you seeking more investment? Are you in profit? Where, where are you guys? We are well-funded. Uh, we're an independent company. We've got some big uh, partners. Uh, we, uh, we have inc- who, who do they rhyme with? Oh. <laughs> Actually, no. It's, we, are, we started off we're, as a joint, we're a joint venture between Panasonic uh, and an online ad company called Viant in Southern California. Uh, Viant was recently acquired by Time Inc. And so now we have the combination of Panasonic, Viant, and Time Inc. in our corner. So some small players, some yeah, some smaller media players, yes. So so that's uh, yeah, it's a very so we have we have although we run independently, we have some incredible assets backing us up uh, through through those partners. Well, this is so exciting to hear. So uh, w- one last question for you because I think this is so interesting right now in our ecosystem. But do you consider yourself a tech company, a content company, hardware, software? Like, how would you describe who Zumo is? Um, we are uh, at our core. We're in it. We're a, we're a tech company. We are. We are uh, have a you know the, the biggest number of our staff are software engineers. We solve very hard problems to solve, integrating all these discrete various platforms. Um, but we are a consumer-facing brand as well, and uh, consumers are getting to know us. As Zumo is where I get those digital brands that I've come to love. So, um, so we are we're a we're a consumer-facing sort of high-tech business. I just I'm in cool land right now. All right, and where can everyone find out more about you? Uh, come to our website, zumo.com. It's x u m o dot com. Uh, check it out. Uh, you can download our app in the Apple App Store, in the iOS App Store, also Zumo X U M O. Play around with it. Have a look at our brands, and if you want to get in touch, uh, you know there's uh, links on the website, and give us a shout. We're all over social media, and everything else is just supposed to be too. So you can uh, we'll be a couple of different places. That's fantastic. This has uh, been a quick interview with Colin Petrie Norris, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Zumo, which is a really innovative, over-the-top solution for getting your brand, your content, anything you're doing in the video space out there to, to a large audience. And before we go, how many folks would you say are watching Zumo content right now? Oh, uh, we have now millions of people watching Zumo content right now so um, and growing like crazy. We've, uh, again, with our partnership with the smart TV manufacturers as those TVs start to ship in the US 
uh, more people every day are getting to enjoy the Zumo content. That's great. And as Colin mentioned, they just created an app, so you can download the app um, on the App Store on both Android and Apple. It is on iOS right now. Android's in the works. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat. We are broadcasting live from VidCon 2016 in sunny and slightly steamy Anaheim, yeah. California. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. And one of the folks that's actually changing the world <laughs> is none other than Hannah Cranston, who is a influencer, YouTube content creator within the Young Turks umbrella. You may have heard of her before for her show Think Tank. And so she's going to tell us about all the different projects that she has going on that are really reinventing the news vertical. So Hannah, tell us what you're doing on Think Tank. And also you were telling me about a new show you have on Fox. Yeah, so I am the host and executive producer of Think Tank, which is a show on YouTube where we talk about everything that any millennial could be curious about. So uh, from you know current events to pop culture to... Uh, psychology and science to relationships and dating, we cover it all. Um, and it is the second largest show on the Young Turks Network, or TYT, as a lot of people know of it. Um, and TYT is the largest you know, news network in the whole world. So it is uh, definitely inspiring to be a part of that group. And I uh, also produce for the Young Turks. Uh, I'm an occasional guest host on their main show as well. And I recently just started hosting a show on uh, Fox stations called Top 30, which is the 30 news things you need to know in 30 minutes. And it's really fast-paced. It's fun. It's a little snarky, <laughs> which I like. Um, but yeah, I have a lot going on, and, and I think it's all really exciting stuff that is speaking to millennials and really, I guess, creating content in, in, in a new way. I think we're really paving, paving the way there. What, what, what do you guys do to find out your stories? Are you out there investigating? Do you have a team? Are you looking at data? Like, how do you guys keep it going? Yeah, so as the, as the executive producer of Think Tank, I think uh, the way that I find stories is I find where what's trending. Uh, I, look where what's, I look at what's trending, on that, whether that be on Twitter or Facebook or... Um, I have a news aggregator on my phone that basically tells me what mo most people are reading. Um, and then I think about what I think should be trending. So I try to like find an intersection there. So I think, okay, what do people, what should people know about me that they don't know about? And so sometimes that involves doing my own research. Uh, sometimes that just involves scouring the internet for hours on hours on end. Um, but it's really thinking about, okay, what are people already really interested in and what do I want them to be interested in? What do I think is important for, for our viewers to know about? And it's, it's interesting. So are you looking at what more traditional news outlets have done in the past and then evolving from them? I can't hear you. Uh, are you looking at what current news outlets are doing and what's not connecting with millennials and then trying to figure out how you can go the next mile. So looking at CNN and even journals, the Wall Street Journal or New York Times, and then sort of saying, okay, that's not connecting. This is what we should be doing. It's not so much like saying, oh, they're doing this wrong. How can we make it right? It's seeing what you know, what's trending on CNN, right? So those are the biggest news stories in the world. So we're talking about, you know, your, your, your Brexits, your, you know, your, your sit-ins and things like that. So that kind of information we can get, you know, get from there. But at the same time, like millennials want to know other things. They have questions about like, what's going on in other countries? Well, how do other cultures approach, you know, day-to-day -day activities that millennials, millennials and, and I think people in general, frankly, are curious beings. They want to know how other people look at the world. And so on our show, we try to explain that. And we try to tell them how, how uh, you know, we put out a video the other day, like wedding practices around the world. That's so cool to learn about different cultures in that way. And that's important to understand how other cultures approach different things. But it's also important to know about the Brexit. It's also important to know... Um, you know, whatever may be happening in pop culture and how that may affect you. You know, not necessarily like the salacious stuff. We don't cover that. But some of the more, you know, the bigger things where that have an impact on your daily life. So we try to uh, share all of that with our audience. I know you just hit a big milestone, right, with Think Tank. Can you share that with everybody? Yes. We hit a million subscribers back in March, which was 
Uh, very exciting for us. Um, we had a big party at YouTube Space LA. Uh, we live streamed as we counted down to 1 million. We were like refreshing the page and we were live streaming with um, our viewers, which was just a, a really incredible experience that we got to share that with them, but also just a, a really incredible experience for me and my co-host, John, um, to, to really see like the fruits of our labor hit on this really big number. I, I was so distinctly remember the Monday after we hit a million subscribers, we hit it on a, over the weekend. Uh, I didn't like my hair. That I didn't like my hair that morning. I was like, I'm having a bad hair day. And John was like, don't worry about it. Only a million people will, will see it. And I like sat there and I was like, that sounds hyperbolic. But it's not. And that is so mind-boggling to me. Um, that a million people care and want to know what John and I think about something. I mean, that's really flipping cool. <laughs> now, in terms of measuring, ma managing, growing your audience, what kind of things are you doing? Um, are you looking at data sets? Do you have a team of little nerdy, you know, data geeks? Like, how are you growing that audience, looking at it, seeing what they like, don't like? Yeah, I mean, we've been really, really fortunate um, in that sense. All of our growth has been organic. Um, so I joined uh, TYT and I joined Think Tank uh, in October of 2014 as an intern um, and they ended up putting me on camera five days later so totally totally crazy but at the time uh, it was called TYT University and we were at about 300,000 subscribers and uh, I rejoined I joined the team and we rebranded TYT University to become Think Tank in January of 2015 and so from 300,000 subscribers in one year, we, you know, over then tripled that to get a million, which was really crazy. And I think the things that we did um, to facilitate that growth were we uh, beforehand, we had more of like the TYT style YouTube where we were uh, like sitting far away from the camera. Maybe it looks a little bit more like traditional media. Uh, we changed that up in Think Tank. It was like you know, the two people staring at the camera more, like, closer to you, more personal. Um, so we changed that. We changed our set. We uh, broadened our content to to appeal to more people. Um, I think by adding me, I think I already added somebody else who was interested in other things that I want to talk about. So I think that helped facilitate that. And I think, frankly, like, John and I have a really good relationship. We have a lot of fun doing what we're doing. We laugh a lot while we're doing. We lo we're learning the entire time. And I think that comes across on camera and I think people learn and laugh with us and so I think that has contributed the most to our growth frankly um, is that we're really excited about doing what we do every single day um, and I think that that comes across in, on, on camera and it's that, that authenticity that you know uh, digital authenticity that gets millennials excited what are some of the other trends in content that millennials really like? Um, so if, if you're programming a new show, what do you know they're going to dig into? I think millennials are really interested in figuring out what other people think, which is a very weird sort of way to, to phrase it. But some of our best videos are videos where we aggregate comments from Reddit. On a certain, we find certain Reddit threads and we aggregate some of those comments and we bring them, you know, we shed light on them and we comment on them and things like that because people are interested in other people. I always refer to our show uh, as a relationship show. And it, that sounds so weird, but it's about your relationship with science, your relationship with politics, your relationship with, um, you know, uh, whatever it may be, right? Even if it's, it does have to be with the, the traditional relationship, the way that word is used. But that's how I like to think about it because I like to always bring it back to how these things affect our viewer. Um, and I think that the way that we're seeing, like uh, the videos that do the best and the, the videos that um, get the garner their most views are the ones where people are learning about how they connect with others, you know what I mean? Those were like those real and personal um, videos where we shed light on whether that be from from my and John's standpoint or whether that be from random people on the internet who they're like, oh, I didn't know. It could be like the simplest thing 
Do you know what I mean? What people think about, you know, how you do your hair. Like, it could be so silly as that. But understanding how other people think, millennials want to know about. You know what I mean? It's so funny that we're, like, this generation that is supposed, supposedly so self-absorbed but I don't see that in our trends they want to understand what's going on around them they want to be excited about that um, and so that's what I see as trending in at least in our on our channel have you noticed any um, this is a strange question but I'm just so curious about if, if the more mainstream news outlets are learning from you you know are they are they evolving how they do news because of how popular you know channels like yours are um, I think that's a good question. I think that is definitely more applicable to TYT and the Young Turks. I think a lot of the uh, bigger, more traditional news outlets look to TYT to see what they're doing right and what we're doing right. Uh, because we do have a, a great audience, a loyal audience, who uh, is very passionate about politics and passionate about what's going on in the world. Um, and so I think bigger outlets are... are looking to, to us. They all want want your audience. What about social media strategy in terms of using other platforms to get your content out? Yeah, so we've been um, really doubling down on Facebook Live lately, which I think is incredible. I love Facebook Live. It is, it's so interesting because I think we're seeing a huge arc here, right? So in traditional media, you were, you, uh, were just looking at these people who you know, are so distant from you. YouTube decreased that distance a lot and it, you know, democratized the entire internet. Um, and then I think now with Facebook Live, th there's no distance. You're th those people are commenting in real time and you can respond to them. And I love Facebook Live because it gives me the chance to interact with the people who, who I'm talking to, you know, to be on a daily basis. I'm talking to a camera. And which as, as much as I love the camera, don't get me wrong, I love the camera, but I like to know who I'm talking to and meet them. And Facebook Lives gives me the opportunity to meet thousands and thousands of people who I'm talking to on a daily basis. Um, so I think that is, and I think our viewers enjoy that too, having that connection on a different level. What about the Snapchats and Twitter and all these other ones? Are you actively looking at those as well? Yeah, so uh, I have a Snapchat, I have a Twitter, uh, I have an Instagram, I have all of them, um, and I think they're all great. I think they all, you know, serve a different function, um, and how you want to communicate with, with, your, with your viewers, and how you want to communicate with people who want to know what you have to say, you know? And so I think for, like, Snapchat, it's sort of sending that video out there, right? Same with Instagram. Um, Twitter allows a lot more conversation. But I think having the, that intersection between video and conversation and written on Facebook Live is, is something that I am currently very excited about. And I think with the new uh, YouTube mobile uh, release that just happened, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that develops. Also, also very exciting. Um, so uh, before we wrap up, just can you tell us all the different places that we can find you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Hannah Cranston, on Facebook at Hannah Cranston Host, and then the YouTube is uh, Think Tank, and then Top 30 TV uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, uh, and on your local TV stations. Right, and um, just mention what you're doing with Fox. That's really cool. Yes, yes, yes. So Top 30 uh, is on Fox uh, TV stations around the country, um, and it is currently in a market test, so watch it, please. <laughs> um, and it's the 30 news stories you need to know in 30 minutes. It's fun, fast-paced. Uh, I think it's really educational. I'm learning every day, um, and I enjoy it. So watch it, please. <laughs> It's Hannah Cranston from the Young Turks, part of the Young Turks Network, um, with Think Tank and also her show on Fox, and doing all sorts of uh, crazy things, reinventing news uh, as we know it. So check out Hannah Cranston, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here in this crazy restaurant where the, it's the who's who of the YouTube nation. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. And today we're continuing the fabulousness 
with another great interview with Greg Bywalski, who is the GM of Extreme Video, which is a multi-platform network. And obviously, multi-platform networks are driving this whole environment at VidCon. So, Greg, tell us about your role and what's going on with Extreme View. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, well, what's going on with extreme world, the extreme world is that we're actually building uh, an ecosystem uh, with all of our viewers that we've been working on since the past seven years. Uh, basically, the start of YouTube, 2006, 2007, we started putting some of our content officially on YouTube. Then we became a YouTube partner, and we found out that you know people were more interested in the trailers and in the scenes and you know whatever happened in the extreme world rather than just feature films that we were distributing at the time. So we. We started curating content and also uh, creators uh, into one network that we call Extreme Video. And today we reached uh, 250 channels that we're creating, uh, 200 creators, and we're covering all of the extreme sports out there, going from base jumping to skiing to snowboarding to uh, wakeboarding to any you know extreme sports out there. And um, basically, we have now reached uh, specific figures uh, that are pretty impressive because last month, for, for example, the, the, we, we uh, went for a record 135 million views on all platforms that we uh, work on. So now, what, what is exactly the model? Does a creator come to you and say, um, I'm, I've got all this great footage, I'd like to put it on your platform, and can you help me make some revenue? Or how does it exactly work? So there's, there's two options. Um, first, uh, we've got a team uh, throughout the world. So we've got seven offices uh, watching for up-and-coming creators. So basically looking at what's happening on the networks, uh, whether it be YouTube, but also all the other ones, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Vine, etc. And, and we're looking at the upcoming creators, basically saying, oh, this guy is doing something great. Let's you know, get in touch with him and see how we can help him create better content and reach an audience. Uh, so that's the first option. The second one is... Um, Indeed, creators coming to us because they know about us. Uh, we've been on the market uh, officially as Extreme Video since 1994, before digital came in, um, and tell us, well, I've got that crazy idea I want to do that specific stuff. How can I do it? And then we help them out, you know, uh, either producing the content or digitizing it or helping the event happen. I mean, we're here to help creators. This is our main goal. And wh- what's the revenue model for everybody? So uh, the revenue model is a, a pretty basic. Uh, basically, we help the, the creators. They make revenues out of you know YouTube specifically, but also you know starting with the other platforms as well. Uh, we connect them with brands. So that's one of our uh, big uh, big thing right now. We launched a, a company called Extreme Video Agency within Extreme Video that actually takes care of connecting the brands with the proper creators. So if a brand is looking out for new uh, ways of reaching an audience and basically millennials, uh, you know, eighteen to thirty. 34-year-old guys, sorry about that. Um, they're, um, we're checking you know, which creators would fit their needs, and then we connect them together. We work on a production pro- project, and then we put it out there, get some revenues from the brand, and you know, give it to the, to the creators, and also we take a share out of it to make the company work. So you're building out an audience network and then skilled uh, services organization to, to really manage that relationship with brands and agencies? Absolutely. So, so this is this is the main model of every MPN out there today. Uh, the difference we have is basically, you know, starting in 1994, once again as a media company, uh, we also have uh, features that nobody else, I guess, today has in the world. The first one is that because of um, well, the media background of the company and mine, uh, we started producing content for broadcast television or digital platforms. So basically, our creators who until now have been doing clips or what we call in the industry porn, which is porn uh, sports action clips. Um, they we wait, wait a minute, but are they clothed? <laughs> it's just porn because That's it's seductive and short and uh, high yeah. action? A- absolutely. We, it's, it's an industrial word to say, of course, they're clothed. And basically, it's just that there's no storyline behind it. And it's okay. just an amazing action scene where something happens, and, 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 but there's no storyline, no, no talking m- most of the time. But basically, what we want to do is be able to you know, get those guys, those amazing creators that are doing amazing stuff around the world, uh, to bring them to a more mainstream audience. And the way to do it is actually to work with them on specific forms format that fits another audience. So they've got, we've got the core audience right now, but we want to reach mainstream audience. So what we do is we work on TV projects or digital platform projects with specific uh, uh, storylines um, or innovative technologies in terms of production. And this is the, also something that we sell either to broadcasters or digital platforms, and this is additional revenues for them. 
So it's sort of like best of compilations or B-roll if a production company needs it or if they're looking for a great show around, check out what happened in sports this week. So they're building programming around your content. So, yeah, li- licensing ancillary rights and stuff like that. This is what we do. This is part of the company. So, basically, we attend trade shows like MIPCOM, MIPTV, CES, NAB, uh, NatP, and all these trade shows to actually sell some of the content that we have for production companies to use. Uh, we're going to be in some surf movies this year. We provided content for um, uh, movies in Europe. and um, So, people can use the content from our creators, and they just license it from us, and creators get revenues. But we, g- we also go all the way to producing feature films or documentaries or TV series with our creators now. So basically, we're bringing them from um, specific creator, digital creator, to directors or actors or at least you know people that we will see tomorrow on TV or on digital platforms. So in long form, whether it be in long forms, uh, it could be TV, uh, TV documentaries. Uh, right now, we, we just produced a, a mountain bike series called Mountain Bike Insights, and um, we sold it to uh, outside TV in the US, for example. Uh, we sold it to major telev- television platforms in, in Europe as well and uh, Asia. Uh, so this is working very well. And once again, what we want to do is not, we don't want to do simple uh, HD format um, series that we've seen over the past 20 years. We want to do innovative stuff. So 4K is a must, but we're also working on VR, for example. And, and let's talk about VR because that's the pretty girl of the party right now. Um, are you doing browser-based 360 content? Are you also doing stuff for Oculus and Vive? I mean, how, how is it working with you guys? So uh, yeah, absolutely. VR VR is the stuff right now. Um, so we 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 tend to use the media in our company to be what we call communication. Basically, listening to trends. The way we have access to these creators and the audience that they gather uh, on the networks makes us. Uh, have a chance of being ahead of what's coming up and we saw VR coming last year already so we started producing VR as you know just a test uh, uh, HTML based as you say in a player classic player but we are going all the way to actually creating uh, hardware around VR right now so we have within the group we have a part uh, of the group that invested in a company called Zcam and Zcam is actually building uh, VR specific cameras and we want to use these to actually be able to to put the best VR content out there. Uh, the thing is, there is a difference between uh, VR and real VR. Uh, if we go back maybe f- 10 years ago, we had HD, we had HD ready, and nobody would actually know the difference, but there was a big difference. Uh, I would say we're at the same stage today with VR. So we'd have to make a difference between what is VR and real VR. Uh, real VR to us is VR shot in 4K at least, maybe 4K HDR, and has to be stitched properly so that people don't see anything uh, like lines and stitching lines and stuff like that in the video. So there's a big step between, once again, you know, cheap cameras that you can find today on the market at $200 and what's coming up in the future, which will be uh, we, we believe uh, something very specific. And that, that's why you invested in Zycam, yeah. so that you bring that in and you don't have to depend on outside companies. Absolutely. Uh, we believe that the, this, this, uh, this company is able to bring to market some very pretty amazing hardware uh, cameras that will be able to do what we said, 4K, HD, VR, uh, with you know, amazing stitching. And the, now the question behind it is, how do we use it? How do we put a storyline? How do we reinvent the way we write things for VR specifically? Because p- doing a drama in VR today doesn't make sense if it, it wasn't fought for VR. So we're actually, you know, uh, what YouTube just spoke yesterday about, you know, how much VR is the next big thing and YouTube should be seen as the biggest database of VR content in the world. Uh, we think that original programming should be VR and should be done with extreme sports because VR is not just about watching, it's about experiencing. And to experience something, well, what, what's better than extreme sports? It's something that anybody would want to try. I can't say that everybody can do it, but at least you can experience it with VR. So this is the big difference. Well, I'm not good with props on my feet, so I'm definitely going to be the person <laughs> watching. <laughs> but I have a question for you on the storytelling piece because there's a lot of chatter about how Red Bull is moving away from, Red Bull Media is moving away from just extreme sports to really more mainstream media. Do you see the, you guys moving that direction as you get more into longer form storytelling? Yes. Um, once again, you know, we, when we started 22 years ago, um, extreme sports were all about 
nice scenes, nice music, nice people, uh, living the lifestyle, as they said. Uh, today, uh, that core audience is still there. Uh, as I said, you know, 135 million views last month means there is a specific audience for that kind of things. But uh, to get it even more mainstream and, you know, reaching a billion views by, the, by 2017, it means to us going into more storytelling, creating characters around the extreme, extreme sports creators. So we have people, and some of the creators are here today at VidCon, uh, we want to build stories around them. Why should people, you know, have millions of fans when they put makeup in their bedroom and not when there is their lives jumping off a cliff? So this is, this is our goal. I, I must quote you on that one. That's a good one. Why should people watch? That's, that's great. Uh, now, are you also acting as some of the um, NCNs did in the early days as agents and managers for the talent? Um, so we, we, we don't really like the word agent or manager because... Today, you know, the, the, the world of MCNs has pretty much evolved very rapidly, uh, very quickly. And basically, most of these young talents already have agents or managers, whether it be their friends or proper professional agents. Um, so we don't want to, to get into that. However, as I said, our goal is really to help creators reach, you know, their goals, reach their audience, make more revenues and be able to create more things. Uh, in that sense, we're presenting projects we're helping them with our teams we've got a team of editors we have got a team of uh, professional writers we've got teams of production crews uh, and all of these are at their service so they can use them whenever they want and we propose to them projects on a daily basis until you know they they find something that they like and they want to do with us that's great and, and just to, to wrap up our interview what are some of the trends or things that you see will be impacting um, extreme um, coming up, like where do you see you guys, your, you guys in the next year? So uh, I think we, we got some hint during the interview. Basically, uh, we want to be we, we want to become more mainstream. Why? Because we believe that action sports are becoming, and that's actually one of the reasons we start stop we t- we start to stop calling it extreme sports. Why? Because we don't believe it extre- it's extreme anymore. We just call it action sports or lifestyle sports. Why? Because more and more people, you know, with the introduction of GoPro. Uh, are actually trying to do these things. You know, GoPro be your hero basically means, you know, anybody can do it, and that's what's happening. Right now, we've got more and more people doing amazing things, um, shooting uh, amazing videos, creating uh, crazy content out there, and our goal is specifically to help them, uh, like I said, reach a new audience, not just the core BMX fan, not just the core wing, wing, wingsuit fan, uh, but just go out there and show people that these characters that are doing crazy things do actually have an amazing life as well they're traveling they're meeting people they're training I mean they're doing a bunch of stuff that we don't see and I think our goal here is to be able to tell more about what's going on in the background is you know build a storyline and a character behind all of these these talents that we we work with and and get them to the next level and once again this is going through um, uh, innovative production so whether it be 4k VR and all these stuff bringing them on new platforms uh, digital platforms like like YouTube Red or uh, Netflix or uh, broadcast partners, you know, in the U.S. or throughout the world. That's fantastic. Where can we find you guys? Where can we learn more? Uh, basically, we have uh, our, our own network on YouTube, Extreme Video, as it is. We have a website, ExtremeVideo.com. We have an, an app, as usual, uh, as many people. But uh, I guess the best way to, to come and s- to see us is to come and meet us. We have seven offices throughout the world. We're in Carlsbad in the, st- in the US. Uh, we're expanding here. Uh, we're in Biarritz in France, which is the equivalent of Carlsbad for Europe. Uh, and then we have offices in Paris, in London, in Shanghai, in Hong Kong. So, well, we're the, the, all of our offices are open to anybody. Uh, we have what we call a hangout corner where we actually meet, you know, whether it be fans or viewers or creators and, you know, anybody that wants to come and chat, we're open. And what about uh, Twitter and, and Snapchat and all of those places? Of course, we, we have a big community of followers on, uh, on Twitter uh, and uh, Snapchat and Facebook. So we're basically on all platforms. Uh, once again, we're not a character. We're, a, we're helping the creators. Uh, so we do gather all this amazing information about our creators on all these platforms, all these networks. Uh, but it's all about the creators. Are you going to go and jump off of something now? 
Um, I might try. By the end of the day, I might try. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so great to talk to Greg Bywalski, the GM of Extreme Video, learning all about extreme sports and the future of it, which is a more mainstream, immersive world. Um, very exciting. And again, I will not be putting anything on my feet or my body, but I look forward to jumping into a VR experience with some of your great folks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, we'll have you try the first VR experience of jumping off a cliff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Live from VidCon, more creators to come. And I have one of my favorite new YouTube creators, not new to the world, but new to me, is Andrew Wong, who does such creative videos. And we're going to talk to Andrew about how he's working with brands, how he got started, and all the great work that he's doing. So, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Wong. Hi, thanks for having me, Laurie. So, you're one of uh, YouTube's creators here at the show. I know they, d they picked and are working with a number of creators that they're sort of focusing on here. What, were you speaking on a panel? Uh, I had a lot of events this year, but actually I'm, I'm very lucky in that Hank Green, who founded VidCon, found my channel in its second year. Um, not, not my channel second year, but VidCon second year, and he invited me out, and, and I've been invited ever since to uh, play music here. I've been on panels year after year this year, um, kind of all over the place. A couple performances, and a Q&A, and a little video shoot with fans. So much fun. So tell us how you got started because your content is so is musically related and so creative and it seems to me intricate, you know, um, you're not just shooting a video and sticking it up there. There's some real planning. So how did you get started? So where this really all began was in 2004, I was uh, roommates with this girl who was pretty decent at uh, web design and I got her to design me a website uh, where I could post content. I guess this was before anyone was really talking about it as content, but this was before social media, you know. But uh, I had this idea where I wanted to get people from all around the world to send me suggestions for songs I could make through the internet, uh, and I would make the ones that I liked the most. Uh, and I made about 500 of these little one-minute, fun, quirky ditties through this website for about five or six years. Uh, that's where I originally grew my audience, but I soon realized that YouTube had this, like, amazing kind of built-in audience of both people who are subscribing and really dedicated to the platform, but also just the fact that it's one of the most used search engines in the world. Uh, so there's a lot of room for discovery there. And I got interested in video. I started posting content there, and that slowly took over as my kind of main focus. Wow. And that was only, only a couple of years ago. Uh, it was about 2011, I think, I started posting more regularly. Yeah. And so were you a musician before you got involved in all this and you thought, I'm going to be a professional musician? I mean, how did you bring the musical talent to YouTube and mix it with all the video tricks you do and all of that? Like, how did that sort of ethos begin? Yeah, music has really been my passion for most of my life, and uh, I would consider myself a musician first and foremost. Um, video came along kind of just from a love of music videos of, you know, the work of people like Spike Jones, um, So that was something that interested me more from like a traditional standpoint of, you know, like growing up with MTV and much music in Canada. Um, so I wanted to make music videos. I ended up discovering that there's an even kind of more authentic and, and higher level of interactivity that you can have when you're creating stuff that's not, not even quite as produced as that. A little more lo-fi when you just vlog a little bit, you talk to your audience, uh, and that sort of started getting mixed in with what I do. And um, you know, the interactivity was always important to me. Finding weird ideas that anyone could suggest to me, and, and just the idea of a musical challenge that I could kind of try to accomplish uh, from video to video was uh, one of the things that really drove growth and also my excitement for the platform. And again, if you haven't seen Andrew's videos, you have to take them, you know, check them out. But I've also noted that there's just a production value to your videos that you don't find um, in every YouTube creator. So, did you train yourself? How did you learn the editing? Do you have, do you work with a team? Like it's just these, they're so highly produced. Well, I appreciate that. I um, think it it comes from just a kind of innate sort of desire for like symmetry and, and cleanliness and you know hashtag aesthetic and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm not really visually trained at all I'm, I'm musically trained you know I've, I've done a lot of different kind of uh, both 
uh, autodidactic and kind of formal training in music, but um, visually it's really been about experimentation. It's about meeting people in the filmmaking space and the commercial space who could kind of give me pointers, but it's been just a lot of trial and error and uh, kind of... Uh, a, a vision of, of keeping things like nice and clean and simple and I think that ends up translating to something that looks a little more elegant even though it's less complicated to actually produce so um, it, it just seems so elaborate a lot of the stuff that you do so in, in terms of how you are making a living with all of this um, we talked a little bit before you were, you're working a lot with brands how, how does that work yeah, so just in the past couple of years, I've uh, worked with a lot of brands, and, and that's really become the bulk of what I do uh, for revenue. And um, I think it's in part, you know, due to the growing kind of influencer uh, market. Um, I think part of it has been uh, just the the shift in, I guess, for lack of a better word, the millennial audience uh, from. TV and traditional mediums over to digital. So um, a lot more advertisers are recognizing that and they're reaching out more often. And so I've worked with uh, everybody from Vitamin Water to uh, the Ontario government. I uh, did a video with Verizon. So uh, most of these are like one-off uh, sponsored videos uh, where I work with the brand or the, their agency, come up with some kind of interesting video content that would both be you know, authentic to me, something that I'm excited to create. Uh, usually it's some kind of musical challenge that would involve the brand's products. Um, and then I upload that to my audience or sometimes uh, the brand will just want to use it on their social platforms. Um, but that's been uh, sort of my primary way to make a living over the last few years, though I have continued to grow sort of the uh, income that I have from song downloads and touring and, uh, you know, merchandising. So you have a lot of IP that you're also getting out there. Now, are you starting to move to other platforms with all of your work? Uh, a little bit. There's... Um, kind of a growing interest in live streaming so uh, I'm trying to start to do that a little bit more often um, in terms of you know other social media I wouldn't say that I have uh, a huge presence anywhere or that, that it's a main focus but it's kind of supplemental to what I'm doing on YouTube and everything drives towards YouTube as my kind of creative platform Patreon though is a, a big one for me and that's uh, essentially like a crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter or Indiegogo but it's where fans can provide ongoing either monthly support or per creation sort of support for anyone that they're following. Uh, so it's a really fantastic way to kind of have a bit more consistency in income uh, rather than relying on whether or not you've recently toured or dropped an album or gotten a brand deal. So um, how do you say it again? It's pa Patreon? Patreon. Patreon, and it's a crowdsourcing platform. So people go to patreon.com and they find artists they want to support? Yeah, it's... Um, I, you know, I think people are starting to discover people just through Patreon, uh, though f for most people, I think it's if you've managed to grow an audience on another platform, that's where you'll uh, direct them uh, for the ones who want to support. And it was actually founded by uh, Jack Conte, who uh, kind of rose to fame as a YouTuber. He's a musician as well and um, a very kind of creative thinker. And uh, I think with Patreon, they're providing something that is almost kind of inevitable in the space. That's so interesting. So where do you see yourself going over the next couple of years? I mean, is Hollywood knocking on your door? You know, are you thinking that you're going to make the jump to, you know, different types of mediums? I think uh, there's still a lot of uh, power and reach in a lot of traditional mediums. And uh, that's something that I might want to explore. But I, I'm always going to prioritize YouTube and um the online space just because there's so much more of a direct connection to the viewers, the audience, um, and, and it's just so much more exciting to me to have that kind of autonomy and agency over what I'm doing and when I can put it out. Um, so my real hope is to continue exactly what I'm doing and just keep growing it and reach new people. Well, and you're publishing, you said, once a week? I try to publish about once a week, yeah. Nothing super fixed, but that's my aim <laughs> and are you in between that writing and creating new music that you will then publish or some in your head you know i'm going to write this and this is not for youtube this is just for an mp3 or an album or something like that yeah i do create a lot of music that doesn't end up on youtube um and, and i 
have kind of singles, I guess I would call them, from these albums that end up with a video that go on YouTube. But I'm creating a lot of music. Over the past 10 years, I average about 100 songs a year, a year that I put out. Um, and YouTube is really kind of the main place where uh, I find an audience and where people are following me. But um, the passion that I have is really for music and it's for creating these songs and these albums that I release throughout uh, the year. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I would never have thought that I would become like a personality. But uh, interestingly enough, you know, posting a vlog where I tell people that I have a new album might actually reach more people than who ends up listening to the album itself. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So let's talk a little bit about that for a minute, because so much of this world is about audience building and managing your audience. So what have you learned or are some of the things that you know you need to do to keep your subscriber base growing and also just keep your current subscriber base intrigued and interested? So I think there's a lot of things that, uh, as a community, we've kind of discovered work, which are consistency, uh, and that's something that I'm not the best at, but in terms of both your publishing schedule and the format of your content, consistency is key. Um, for me, and I, I think you know everybody's path is a little bit different, but for me, what I found has really worked is uh, content that is um, sort of at an intersection between something that's really trending or relevant, like let's say a cover of a popular song, um, something that's really unique, and one of the things that I do that not a lot of people uh, do is create music using strange items like sampling dentist equipment or a balloon. Uh, so it, That's uh, one of my favorite things is your prop usage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really blowing up. Um, the um, oh, Are you going to blow something up? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I incorporate a balloon into my live set now. I figured out how to do that without all the fancy video editing. But, um, yeah, I think having something, you know, really unique or impressive that you can offer uh, to an audience, um, that, that's been kind of my way to approach it. But from the other creators that I follow, you know, any kind of value that you can provide, whether it's like brightening their day with something comedic or, or meaningful or touching, um, or, you know, it's uh, like more, more like what you're doing, we're sharing knowledge and kind of industry insights. Uh, I, I think value is really where it's at and it can be captured in so many different ways. And uh, I've heard a lot of creators talk about um, how the community, the community of creators is so important and that they often work together. Have you found that as well? Do you do a lot of work with other YouTubers? Yeah, I've, I've definitely found that. I actually have a couple collaborations coming out soon on my channel, one with Hannah Hart, who does My Drunk Kitchen and, uh, you know, is one of the best YouTubers out there, and also um, with uh, Vicky T, who was the keyboardist for uh, Cobra Starship. Uh, we have done a bit of music together. Um, yeah, the, the space is so collaborative and so welcoming and um, you know being at VidCon I think that's really amplified where we're all kind of going to these different parties and events and just being able to mingle with other people who are creative because they love to be creative and, and that's what it's all about for them so I think that really lends itself to um, a really kind of blossoming community. And are you looking at um, exploring uh, some of the immersive content opportunities, the 360 VR stuff that YouTube's pushing so hard. Well, everyone's pushing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about uh, those kinds of opportunities. Uh, I have a few friends working in the VR space. And uh, uh, Toronto, where I'm from, we actually just got our YouTube space. And uh, so I think I'll be able to take advantage of the resources they have there for that. I'm also really interested in, uh, I can't remember the term for it now, but 360 sound uh, where a user you know wearing a headset in a space as they move around could experience changes in uh, the, the sound the music that they're hearing depending on their location within a space now that, that's so interesting that you just said that because sound for so many filmmakers is not something they think about but in VR and 360 it's so important because it's a sense and in that immersive environment it actually does the storytelling yeah, for sure. There's uh, been a lot of talk um, about how the rules of storytelling are going to have to kind of change with VR because when you have the latitude to kind of look anywhere you want in a space, um, there, there could be things that you're missing. And so I, I know a lot of filmmakers who, as they're thinking about what they want to do with VR, realize that sound is going to be probably one of the main tools that they have to use to direct people to where they want them to be kind of picking up on the story uh, when they have that freedom to be 
looking anywhere and exploring a lot of uh, the uh, visual space. I'm definitely going to send some of my VR friends in your direction on the sound piece. <laughs> so uh, where can we find you, you know, and what are you doing next as we wrap up our inter- interview? I'd love to hear, to just give, give the world your, all your social feeds. Uh, yeah, well, I'm Andrew Is Music on most social platforms. And uh, on YouTube, you can find me at youtube.com slash Andrew Huang, H-U-A-N-G. And uh, really, that's the, the best place to go to catch up with what I've been most recently up to. I'm... Uh, trying to put out about one thing a week usually a couple of those a month are these found sound pieces that i do with um you know anything from household items to really strange objects uh and creating music with those and uh patreon to uh patreon.com slash andrew huang is where you can go if you want to leave something in the tip jar yeah, definitely check out Patreon. I think that's a great solution um, to, uh, to to give you guys the much-needed resources. I mean, back in olden days, we all had, you know, Patreons. <laughs> that's where the <laughs> expression came from. Anyway, this is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat. We are broadcasting from VidCon 2016 with the fabulous Andrew Wong, who I'm just a fangirl of. So please check out his videos on YouTube. So interesting and so clever. And take heed of some of his uh, trends and ideas about how to grow your audience. Check you out soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 